Hi, this is Gage from Why God Why. We're in the midst of a season titled The Credibility of Christianity, and we are diving into all types of topics like faith and science, politics, diversity, faith and beauty or superficiality, and more. And as we go through this season, uh, we want to hear from you. We're going to do an episode at the very end of the season where we discuss the whole season and respond to listener questions. So as you listen along and you think, hey, I wish they talked about that question further, or they didn't really hit on this topic related to the episode, we'd love to hear from you and get a chance to discuss it together. So as you're listening along, if that occurs to you, Send your question you'd like us to discuss to peter at browncroft.org. If you're extra savvy, uh, send us a recording of your voice actually asking the question, and we can include that in the episode. We'll only share your name if you give us permission, but we'd love to hear from you. With that, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Why God Why podcast. We have an exciting episode for you today, jumping into a series we're calling The Credibility of Christianity. There are many things about the Christian faith that for many of us, and some of you, maybe even on your journeys, there's things that can take away from the credibility of it. And there's things that can actually strengthen our faith. So we're diving into some of those topics, some of those harder questions um, that are sometimes tough to wrestle through, tough to, to deal with. And one today that we are jumping right into is the credibility of Christianity. Why are Christians afraid of science? There you go. And with me, I have, it's me, Aaron McGinnis, student director here at Browncroft. I have with me... John Amayo, that's my name. Jenna, and our special guest. Yes, Dr. Steve, Steve Pelton. Yes. Yes, we are so glad to have you here with us. Welcome to the Hair Club for Men podcast. We're yeah. so glad to have, uh, oh, my God, why, sorry. I love it. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit of a shine here. That's right. A little bit of a shine. For those yeah. of you just listening, just imagine um, uh, a glorious uh, shine coming from the three of us. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great, you know, all great men come out on top is what my uncle used to say. Oh, there you go. Oh, there man. You go. <laughs> nice. I love it. Yep. Well, yeah, so we're going to be diving in today hearing uh, about uh, Dr. Pelton's story. Um, and I know for me, this is a personally a topic I'm very interested in. I was just telling these guys, if you were to look at my YouTube history, at least a third of it is science videos from physics to, I like a lot of physics, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I do. Mm. And in that realm, I've I've watched Christian YouTubers, Christian scientists, and non-Christian ones as well. And I also know that this can be a really conflicting topic. I've seen videos of people deconstructing over, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be, the, the viability of the flood or what is creation really like, evolution. I've seen uh, those conversations be really difficult for people. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to jump into it today. Uh, yeah, John. How yeah. are you feeling? I'm feeling great about this because we get to talk with someone who I really have come to know and respect over the years. Uh, Dr. Pelton has been uh, in medicine now for 50 years. He was just telling us before we, we hit record here. So that's a big deal. Um, and he's in the science world as a lot of for a lot of his life. Um, mm -hmm. He uses science as a mm -hmm. part of his uh, day in and day out, as well as I think this is a passion of his. So I'm excited not only to 
uh, hear from him, but to learn from him uh, as well, because I think he has walked this journey for a, a long time and it's a passion uh, of his. So welcome, Dr. Steve Thank Pelton. You. Great to have you here with us. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we'll just start start out by asking you, like, how did science become a passion of yours? Like, when did when did this really take root for you as a as a person? Do you remember? Well, I think in my high school biology class, I think uh, I thought this is kind of neat. It's kind mm, of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started thinking about it, you know, back in those days. And um, I thought that I'd, I'd probably like to go into medicine. Mm. And so that was that was my goal when I when I uh, started college. Nice. Yeah. Now, growing up, did you have role models? Did you was this something that you were out in the woods looking at things? <laughs> <laughs> Where did that? Uh... No. Um, in fact, I think it was the first person in my family to go to college. Wow. And um, no, I think it was um, high school biology that that made me interested in living things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought it'd be nice to to. Um, and, and medicine seemed like a reasonable thing to do. It mm-hmm. seemed like it would be fun to do. It would be interesting. And so uh, I started college as a pre-med student and, and wow. uh, didn't look back. Wow. Wow. Went to Houghton College. Yeah. Um, I majored in zoology. Mm. Um, I met my wife at Houghton. Okay. And um, then from there went to medical school, went to gotcha. Cornell Medical School in New York yeah. City. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were members of uh, Calvary Baptist Church down there in, in New York City, which uh-huh. some people may be familiar with. Uh, then um, I did a year of internal medicine and um, neurology at the University of Virginia. We call it an internship. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, I went to Boston, uh, Boston University for three years and did my dermatology residency there. And uh, we were members of Park Street Church there, which mm-hmm. some people may May know, may yeah. not. Park Street Church is, um, we were just in Boston a couple of years ago with two of our grandchildren, and it's funny, uh, it, Boston is so different than it used to be, but here is big city with huge high rises, and right in the middle, right right on um, uh, Boston Common mm-hmm. is, is Old Park Street Church, and it's still there, and I've got a picture of it, and I think, you know, here is, here is a witness for Christ in the middle of this new modern uh, remade Boston, and mm. it it, uh, um, it was called uh, Brimstone Corner because during the War of eighteen twelve, I think they stored gunpowder huh. in the in the basement. It wasn't because it wasn't because of the preaching. It was yeah. because of the gunpowder <laughs> yeah. in the basement. <laughs> wow, wow! And then yeah. uh, then we we moved to Rochester. Um, uh, my wife grew up in, in uh, Buffalo, and I grew up uh, west of Batavia, so we, we thought we'd like to come close to where our family was, and Rochester seemed to be a good place. So we came here and um, joined Brighton Community Church uh, oh, back in those yeah, days, in and, uh, wow. and uh, been here ever since. Wow. Wow. That that sounds like a, a quite a journey because you're describing your journey in medicine, obviously, and, and science, a huge part of that. But you're also describing your journey of faith in that mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There's it, this seem to be going side by side, even in, as you're describing it. You're describing both sides at the same mm-hmm. time, which sometimes, you know, th- that's not always uh, the case for everybody where both of these things are in place and you're working through both of them at, at, at the same point. 
did you ever find in that journey as you were growing in both areas did you ever did you ever hit points at which you were like man i'm having a tough time figuring out how these two things fit together or did they all did it or were there questions that arose that you're like i don't think i'm getting adequate answers for these questions maybe in the spaces that i'm now the questions of of faith and science yeah 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 like of faith in the scientific community or Mm -hmm. science in Mm -hmm. the faith community Mm -hmm. i think sometimes we see these things as maybe what what i'm trying to get to is Sometimes we see these things as diametrically opposed to each other, but I don't think they have to be. No. Um, you know, there was uh, he's the late uh, paleontologist Stephen Jay Gould at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's famously quoted as, as saying that science and faith are in separate magisteria. It's called the non-overlapping magisteria, and it's a very famous quote. Mm-hmm. So his idea was that these two things were separate. Mm. Um, but I think if you talk to any scientist or a, someone who uses science uh, that is a Christian, they will say that's not that's certainly not true. Mm. Um, in in one of the books that I have there, Dr. Andrew Steen, who's a um, a physicist over at Oxford, I think he really has he doesn't have those circles like that. He has a circle of faith, and within it is science. Mm and arts and things like this that and and i think that's true i think if you talk to um people who are scientists and are christians say well no i i can i'm, I'm fine with both of them you know mm-hmm. they both one enhances the other mm-hmm. you know when you when you look at at the james webb telescope the pictures yeah that came from that yeah when you look at that, one of the first ones where they pointed to a part of the sky that was no bigger than a grain of sand, and you see the, the all the galaxies out there, and you think to yourself, oh, who could have done this? And then you, you look at, well, uh, you look at the immune system, how mm. complicated it is, how, how well it works. Who could have done this? And then mm. something that I know nothing about, except I trust people about. <laughs> quantum physics and all the craziness and how could that be mm. who, who could have done all this mm-hmm. and, and uh, to me science just helps my faith it just makes me wonder mm. you know, who who could have done this and and you know <laughs> no wonder god said in the second commandment don't make an idol of me of any living creature because how could you even conceive of of a being that could do that right how could you even conceive of that yeah Yeah. wow yeah Yeah. you know it's you talk and i'm like oh it's so good and i i also can imagine people uh, people being almost confused you're like all right i from what i've seen maybe even christians i know or the churches or the things put out by the church it feels like they almost don't want you to wonder <laughs> like this is our set of beliefs um it's much more comfortable to stay within this uh, if anything kind of moves outside what we've traditionally know it's got to be false uh, and i think i've heard people talk about that side of christianity before and where that idea of wonder and oh man like let's do research let's like pour in and look at what's actually happening they would think wait wait i thought that'd be a scary point for christians because uh, 
one, it, mm. it, isn't it just all about faith? What you don't see, <laughs> right. Is one of the things like, um, that's how they, that's what I've heard. Um, so what would you say to that? This idea that, wait a second, I've seen Christianity as a place where that doesn't allow you to wonder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, it certainly makes me wonder. Uh, I, I, I don't quite know how to answer it other than right. what I, what I just said, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just an enhancement of, of my faith. And it, it makes me sad uh, to think that that um, there are some Christians who don't trust science. Mm. Yeah, expound on that. Because I think that's yeah. a really, that right there is a, what you've just said is very poignant. Mm. It makes you sad mm. that there are some Christians who don't trust mm -hmm. science. Yeah, I think we have to say that um, we're talking here about American evangelicals. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so let's look at that subset. We can but, we can speak to it sure. because we're part we, of that we're, subset. We're, so we can we're in the tribe. Yeah, uh, we can. But Catholics it. Catholics have no problem. Mm. Episcopalians have no problems with it. Um, uh, Europeans mm. uh, who, are, who are evangelicals have no problems. Um, a distrust of science is is a large part of, uh, or is largely American evangelicals. Not mm. all, mm -hmm. certainly not all. I don't mean mm -hmm. that, right? But um, it is an issue and. Uh, according to um, one of the authors, Dr. Janet Kellogg-Ray, um, she said it's really primarily in three areas that uh, she sees the distrust. She's mm -hmm. an educator mm -hmm. as well as a scientist. Um, mistrust in climate science. Okay, yeah. Mistrust in COVID, the science and the vaccines and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then evolution. Mm. Now the first two, uh, there there is so much political yeah. that's associated with it. There's so much in the media. There's so much social media stuff that you see on TV and listen. That's very complicated, and it's not. That's a harder thing to talk about, and you'd almost have to have a whole podcast just on that. You could have a whole and season, I, and I'm on not those, sure yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but evolution is a little clearer mm. as far as uh, being uh, uh, separate from politics and and that sort of thing, mm. and so and you know evolution has been the big issue for American evangelicals for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I was raised um, I was raised in a Christian home and I was raised with a Schofield Bible. Now mm -hmm. probably. Neither one of you know what is the Schofield have that. Bible. Yeah, but um, uh, if if you open the Schofield Bible, uh, in Genesis one, the first page, uh, the the date for Genesis one up at the top is from Bishop Usher's dates, mm. four thousand four B.C. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice, right. Very distinctive. I yes. mean, four thousand four. Yes. Yeah, you could prove it. Yeah. Now, you know, growing up, I, I, I didn't think that much of it. And um, as I grew up, I grew up in a, a, a church. I'm very thankful for the church I grew up in. Um, we were never taught about evolution per se. We were, but we were taught you read the Bible. Um, 
you take it literally unless you read things like, well, you know, trees don't clap their hands, for example, you know, that sort of thing. So we, we I just sort of assumed that, and I think everyone took it pretty literally, that uh, mm-hmm. you know, God created the way it says and so forth and so on. Um, so, but, you know, in, in high school, you know, I learned some earth science, I learned some biology, uh, and I thought, that's kind of, eh, I'm not sure that that's really true, but it didn't bother me a whole lot. There was mm. this cognitive dissonance here, a little bit, I guess, you know, um, you know, you, you, you uh, sort of observe certain things, but, but then you believe certain things and they don't quite line up, but mm. you know, what's the deal? It wasn't affecting my life at all. Mm. Um, but uh, I picked up a book probably in my freshman year of college uh, called The Genesis Flood by Morrison Whitcomb. Mm. And um, Henry Morris uh, was a hydraulic engineer, and the whole book was was um, predicated on the idea that all of the geological formations, everything that you find geologically, was due to the flood. Mm. And I thought, hmm, that's a little odd too. Uh, but I, you know, didn't didn't think too much of it. Didn't bother me. But I thought that's interesting. In college. Um, uh, I took a genetics course, and uh, uh, we had to write a paper on genetics, and I thought I'd do one on evolution. And I picked up a book by uh, Russell Mixter, who was the uh, chairman of biology at Wheaton College at that time. Mm. And um, he introduced the idea of a theistic evolution. I thought, hmm, that's really pretty interesting. Hmm. I wonder if that's true. Mm-hmm. But again... You know, who cares? It doesn't really matter. It didn't affect my life at all. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, went about my training and, you know, got interested in child rearing and mm-hmm. being a good husband and having a career and that sort of thing. So it didn't really affect me all that much. Um, I did get interested a little bit in reading a few things uh, now and now and again by uh, some of the creation scientists, so-called. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, they would appeal to certain science, and they would say, well, science shows this. And I thought, well, I'm not an expert in this. I, so who do I trust? Mm. So that was one of the first first uh, realization that I have to trust somebody mm. to give me information. Yeah. So who do I choose to trust? Mm. Yeah. And, well, that's a, that right there is a big statement, what you just said. Yeah. Because I feel like for... Everybody who's listening right now, that's their main issue too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Whether, no matter what side you, you're, no matter right. what background you're coming from, it's who do I trust to give me the information here? At least, yeah. And I, I know a, a bunch of friends who have just kind of succumbed to the realization that it's too hard to know who to trust. So I'm just not going to trust anything. <laughs> you know, I'm, mm. I'm going to live in this world where maybe from their perspective, it's this way from the, but really the objective truth, it, how in the world are we ever going to know? Um, mm. so they, that trust issue is resolved for them by, by just completely, um, stepping back from, stepping the, back yeah. from the question. But that's, is, is that your story? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, you know, you step back for a while, but um, uh, there was there was a book that was given to me. Um, it's it, it's in that pile there uh, by a, a biology professor at a at a Christian university. 
Uh, it was by a man named Daryl Falk. Daryl Falk is uh, is a uh, professor of biology, I think, out at Point Loma. Is that a, a Christian school mm-hmm. out in California? It was called Coming to Peace with Science. Mm. And that really changed my whole perspective on things. Mm. I mean, that was a... You know, you look at certain books that change your direction. Yeah. That did it. Mm. That one did it. It was because he told a story that was sort of like mine, mm-hmm. uh, and yet he he said, you know, and he gave he gave all the data about the evolution and so forth, and and how evolution is not just some some thought; it's a fact. Mm. And, and there is so much data and so much information that it really can't be doubted mm-hmm. by people doing legitimate science. So when you even just saying that, so I'm, I'm sitting in the fact that you're saying that on, you know, a podcast, it's a Christian podcast, right? People aren't expecting you to say that. No. And the, the, like... On, I, on a different, on a bunch of different levels, people I, aren't expecting. I expect, I expect to get criticism for it, but that's. But that's the, all right. but but yeah, but I I want to acknowledge that, that that's a. That's the spot that we're in. Mm-hmm. Is that that mm-hmm. that's a. It's mm-hmm. it seems like a very controversial statement. Either a controversial statement, maybe for people inside the church, but for people outside the church, they're like, hold on, somebody goes to the church that is willing mm-hmm. to say that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's intriguing to mm-hmm. me. Like uh, to me, if I'm on the outside, I'm going, huh, let me listen to this guy. Cause maybe I could trust this guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and um, one of my questions would be is like, I could almost feel a reaction where it's like, well, if you trust, you know, trust in evolution, then you don't trust in the God of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've heard yeah. that. Well, now we can really go down. Yeah. Let's go, go down, down the path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the next, the, the next thing that, that I picked up though was, was a book by uh, Dr. Francis Collins. Now, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, many people don't know who, who that was. I've mentioned his name to people in my office, and who is he? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dr. Collins uh, headed the National Institutes of Health for, uh, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Dr. Fauci's boss, mm-hmm. um, if uh, technically, I, I guess. Um, but he, uh, he um, uh, headed the Human Genome Project, which mapped the human genome, and what that means is that they mapped the the genes, the the millions, I don't know how many of genes that there are in our chromosomes, and it has opened the door for uh, so many treatments, genetic treatments. Uh, mm-hmm. Just this week, you've probably read about uh, treatment for sickle cell anemia mm-hmm. that was based because of mapping the human genome, and there are hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of them right now. If uh, if we see someone with a particular syndrome and we wonder, I wonder if it is that syndrome or not, you can probably get a genetic test to see if they have that gene. Mm. So I mean, it's just, but he wrote a book called The Language of God. Yeah. And The Language of God has become, I think to people in the Christian science community, uh, the, the science community of Christians, um, almost like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. It's been one of those go-to books. It's mm-hmm. influenced more people mm-hmm. that I've read and heard of. And so, and, and he talks about this, and, and again, he said, you know, the, the, the final proof, if there was any need for final proof of the truth of evolution, is the genetic data. Yeah. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. And so, 
the, so the question you ask, Aaron, about well, you know, can I trust the cost of the Bible or or, or not? Um, you you have now this this um, this dilemma, this this um, you know this uh, uh, cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cognitive dissonance. For those that don't know it, is it's like something you believe, but then something you see. Like, uh, uh, well, I believe my father loves me, but my father beats me. Mm. So how do I, how do I uh, put you those know, two put, together? Uh, yeah. Put them together. The best best example I've heard uh, Christian wise uh, is from Doctor Luke Timothy Johnson, and his his thought was this that that on the one hand the disciples believed that the Messiah was going to be a liberator and a, you know a great a great person. On the other, this is what they believed. Mm-hmm. What they saw was a man dying as a thief mm-hmm. on a cross. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you resolve that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they couldn't change what they saw. They had to change their concept of what they believed mm-hmm. the Messiah was. And I think in, the, in this question that you ask, you, you say, now, science tells us this, mm-hmm. but I've kind of believed this. I believe this is what how the Bible tells me it happened. Can I change what science is telling me? Mm-hmm. Well, no. One percent <laughs> of people say yes. So maybe I should look at how I've interpreted mm. what the Scripture says. Mm. So how does that? How has that worked for you? Like, well, how, how have you come to understand it, and for yourself? And obviously, you're not speaking yeah. for all of Christianity here. You're just speaking for you, and mm-hmm. and how you've learned to blend those together for yourself. Well, um, we, I attended a, a seminar a number of years ago up at the chapel in Buffalo, mm-hmm. um, and one of the spe- on on uh, science and scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, an, um, I think, a biochemist from MIT that was there, and I think a geologist from Canada was being Zoomed at the time. Mm. And there was a guy named John Walton who was mm. there. Now, John Walton is an Old Testament professor at Wheaton, mm. and he's written a number of books, two of which I have right there, um, about Genesis and how it's interpreted. Because Genesis has not... Genesis first few chapters have not always necessarily been interpreted literally. Mm-hmm. Augustine didn't. Mm. A lot of people don't. Um, and um, there are so many different ways of interpreting it, uh, metaphorically or, or symbolically, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think, I mean, you can get into the weeds about this, but I, but there are ways that one can interpret this, which I think make a great deal of sense. And John Walton's books are great mm. uh, with regard to that. And there are certainly others as well. Mm. But mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, what I'm also hearing you say is the scriptures are there and they point at truth, but sometimes we... Almost in our Western, you know, lens, we look at it and think like, okay, if I took a video camera and just filmed the creation of the world, it's going to look exactly like Genesis one, you know, and maybe the biblical authors weren't 
that's not what they were trying to do at all. They were trying to say like, they weren't trying to give you a, a research uh, proposal or a, a write-up uh, with a thesis. What they were trying to do is connect the dots and say, who is this God? That's right. That's right. That's right. And <clears throat> science tells you how and what, but it doesn't tell you who or why. And scripture mm. is telling you who mm. and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, there is a lot about the the milieu of the the uh, the area in which the people who were reading or hearing the Genesis story were operating in. There was yeah. there was, and mm-hmm. and I'd never heard that before. But there was a whole culture and what people understood about mm-hmm. uh, what the universe was like. Uh, they thought it was a dome, a hard mm-hmm. dome, and they thought there was water under the earth and above the dome, and they, and mm-hmm. there were pillars that supported the earth, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. They had a different idea of what the universe was like, mm-hmm. but, but the story in Genesis is about God mm-hmm. and about how God, in contrast to the the uh, the gods of the Romans and so forth, who created man as servants and and so forth. God created man to love man. He mm. loved us. Mm-hmm. And, he did because, and he didn't do it to, for, for us to serve him. He created us to be in his image, whatever that means, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is another whole podcast, I suppose. Yeah. But um, yeah, without diving too deep into the weeds, I'm just curious because I've, you know, done my some research into this, not, not, extensive extensive but i've thought of dr uh, hugh ross i don't know if you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm, of him mm-hmm. he kind of takes it from the the angle of there's these genesis is kind of depicting um different stages maybe mm-hmm. in which god intervenes mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. basically there's these huge chunks mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. in which mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. spectacular happens except mm-hmm. for creation is going in its own but then god intervenes and then Mm -hmm. does something spectacular and then Mm -hmm. the next thing happens Mm -hmm. does that does that viewpoint resonate with you i'm just asking for myself here more than i am Um, asking well not not entirely okay um but um you know the the uh, biologos people right interact very nicely with the uh with the uh uh, reasons for reasons yeah. to believe people and, right. and they, you know they they disagree but hey that's fine yeah, yeah. That's oh, also fine. when i'm here i you know i've also done some things as, and and i've heard so many different viewpoints right. even like what if adam and eve were born with age or the world was was yeah, created yeah, with yeah, age yeah. you know yeah. it was millions of years old but came yeah. into, and i'm like technically you could there is space to think that way you know but right. it doesn't necessarily knock out who God is, our faith in him, um, all of those things, you know, it's not central. And sometimes I feel like Mm -hmm. the church treats it as central doctrine. That's right. (laughs) Right. You know, that's right. I mean, we can, we can be Christian brothers and sisters and differ on these things. And I think that's an important thing to say Mm. is that, that, um, how, what you believe about these things doesn't mean that you are not a Christian or, Mm. Christians can believe only this. Right. Um, I, I think that um, uh, the let's see who's who's it does that does the studies. Barna Barna has mm-hmm. done studies. I think why do why do young people leave the church hmm. when they leave the church? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and one of the reasons is science. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they they may be taught that well, you've got to believe this way, but they get out, go to school, they learn this, and they think, well, boy, that's that's not true. I didn't, I don't believe that. Well, maybe the rest of the stuff I believed isn't true either. That mm. seems to be one reason. Yeah. Why kids leave the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons why we are even th- talking about this in this podcast is because we realize there are a bunch of people that either were, you know, have marginal connection to the church or some of them were raised in the church who were like very disenfranchised because of the way that science was talked about in the church. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. they go, I can't m- mesh these two. Mm-hmm. Or they're even told you can't you know yes. like i you know you see evidence the the universe is expanding which might point to you know a creation point and being told i i, I want to say this to those of you who are listening and maybe you've learned a piece of science you've you've done some research and you just think well do i have to throw my faith out the window now <laughs> like can i be a christian and also observe what i'm observing um happening in the scientific communities uh i think oftentimes we don't talk about how well th- this is where i've come is generally what i'm seeing happening is both christian and non-christian scientists uncovering the beauty of the universe yes, yes, and uncovering yes. <clears throat> these beautiful magnificent things that have been placed there and and instead of being scared at what is the hubble telescope going to reveal (laughs) you know being actually on the edge of my seat getting Mm. super excited because we're about to learn more about the created world than we ever knew before that's right and you know what i bet it's there's going to be something so majestic about it that is probably going to point to something greater uh and so i i I just want to encourage any of you who are kind of dabbling with that. Maybe you found yourself deep in quantum physics or I don't know, wherever you in evolution. Um, I just want to encourage you and say it's okay to, to research. I think one of my favorite Bible verses is like yeah, something. It is, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and it is the, the glory of men or something like that to, to dig it up or to uncover it. And I often view that scientists are some of the most blessed people because they get to uncover Mm-hmm. Um, true beauty, and I almost imagine, mm-hmm. you know, God up there being like, "Ah, they did it!" You know, <laughs> they they figured it out. Well, you um, know, a, a, an atheist and a Christian when they when they do science, they mm-hmm. do it the same way. Right. They do it exactly the same way. You know, a, yeah. a Christian uh, shouldn't just say, "Well, I can't explain this, so God must have done it." Mm-hmm. You don't do science that yeah, way. God you of just the gaps. Say, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and we were talking a little bit about this before we recorded. I think this is important to 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 explain a little bit, even when we talk about science, like um, even to start with that concept of what is it? How does that work? Like yeah. we kind of throw around these terms and we say, oh, science has proven this or science has proven that or mm-hmm. or we can disprove science by this way or but. I think you were just describing a little bit of the scientific process uh, for yeah. us. I think that was helpful. It's helpful to frame it a little bit. Yeah, that way. yeah. The, people do science in different ways. Uh, you can have a, a bench researcher who is at a, at a bench and doing chemistry, mm-hmm. uh, but you can have people that are 
that are out uh, digging up rocks. Mm-hmm. You can uh, have people in uh, in rooms doing mathematics. You can have um, physicians going out and doing clinical research, studying diseases. Um, what does this treatment do for this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you you do this stuff, um, and then you you either present it at a meeting or you put it in writing and submit it uh, for publication. Mm. Now, before it's published, uh, at least in good good (laughs) journals, uh, it's peer-reviewed, which means that uh, there are a bunch of other people who are in the same field who will look at the paper that you've submitted and will determine, well, was the study done correctly? Uh, Mm. Were the uh, you know, was there some prejudice ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if if it passes peer review, then it gets published. Hmm. When it's published, people read it hmm. and criticize maybe or not criticize. And then, then if it can be reproduced by hmm. someone else, then it tends to become part of the scientific consensus mm. after a period of time. If it's reproducible, if it predicts things mm-hmm. that, that it should predict, et cetera, it becomes part of the consensus of science. And yeah. that's kind of how, how these things have worked. That's how evolution has worked. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that there is a consensus mm. of science mm. at this point. If mm. 99% of scientists, when asked if evolution is true, they say yes. Now, this includes... Scientists who are Christians, scientists who are in Christian colleges, etc. There's one percent that says no, but uh, and what they will try to do with this uh, this uh, uh, thing that we talked about before, you know, the, the you know trying to you know do I have to adjust my belief or what I observe in science? They, the one percent will try to say, well, yeah, but the science you're incorrectly interpreting this, but. That just hasn't worked. Mm. That just hasn't worked. Gotcha. So, uh, it, the the consensus is real. I mean, mm. it's there. Mm. You know, and mm. um, I'm not the expert, but I believe the consensus until it changes. Mm. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. So, what would you say to somebody who is in the midst of this process? I mean, I guess that's one of the questions that I have. Is like. Let's say there's, and there's probably a good chunk of people who are listening to this because it's a dialogue about faith and science together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk specifically to the person who is outside of the community of faith, who is saying, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the way you approach science, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I can believe there's a God. Let's say, let's talk to that, that person first. Um, uh, I, I I admire maybe the fact that you're open and that you, it seems like you're the type of Christian who I would enjoy having a conversation with, mm-hmm. but I don't know how you get, I don't know how you go from science to God. How, how would you talk to them uh, where they're at? Well, the, the way I usually <clears throat> would start such a conversation would be, that every person on the face of the earth is a person of faith. Hmm. Uh, by that I mean you have to believe something that you can't prove. Now, 
I believe that there's a God. I can't prove it. Mm. You, perhaps, you believe there isn't a God, but you can't prove that either. Mm. I mean, that, that's been shown philosophically. You can't disprove God. Mm-hmm. So we're both people of faith. So if I'm a person that, that does science or trusts science or does it, uh, does that, what, what does that do for me to uh, make me more likely to believe that there's a God? Um, you know, over the years, there have been various proofs of God's existence, none of which really will convince anybody. Mm. There are the philosophical proofs. Uh, Thomas Aquinas had, had a number of those. Um, the watchmaker proof, that's not really a proof. The, the most most recent one, uh, actually I'm reading a book about it right now, is the, the fine-tuning of the universe where... where um, if there was there there were four fundamental forces uh, in the universe and if one was tweaked just a little bit we'd we'd have a much different universe probably not conducive to life is that a is that a proof of god's no it it really isn't um but to me that that they point in a particular direction um and um and then when i when i look at the universe as the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 1, um, you know, you look at this and you call it natural revelation. There's got to be something out there that's greater than I am. And and I wonder who that could be. Hmm. And um, I think to myself, you know, um, um, God probably knew that we would think that way. <laughs> you know, how how could I know? How could we know him? Mm-hmm. So he decided he'd become one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's wow. that's that's the way it, it goes together for me. Wow. You know? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. How about how about when it comes to people who are are on the opposite side, who are maybe people who are listening because we live in this such a divided world right now that there's so much many things that divide us uh, this debate just being one of them but you know you have the political debate you were talking about before how how politics gets dragged into so much of what we do but mm-hmm. but it's especially in in american society we can talk as americans yeah. in this but what would you say for people who are like of course i believe in god but you just drop the E word and you say like, I should be like, like, you know, trusting of science at the same time. Like how, how does, how do I deal with that? Um, for that segment of people in the evangelical (laughs) American church. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, science deals with facts, mm. um, and um, uh, if to decide whether, I guess whether you want to, to to believe in facts or not, it goes back to the authority question again. How, who do you trust? Mm. Um, do you trust? A person who is an authority, let's say someone on a uh, a, a news show, mm-hmm. who's an authority figure that that 
you know, will expound on certain things and you trust that person, mm-hmm. but they're not an expert. Mm. Do you do you trust the authority or do you trust the expert? Mm. Do I trust um, a talking head on you know X Y Z uh, TV who's talking about genetics or do I trust Francis Collins? Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you have to decide. Uh, I think whether you what do you believe in science? I mean, um, I can understand it when you get on an airplane. How can you think that, how can you believe the science that this 200-ton thing can fly? I mean, I know the science behind it. How can I believe that, you know? But, you know, we believe it all the time. Mm -hmm. We, You know, we believe science all the time. Nobody questions photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. You know, and nobody's, not many people are debating whether the earth is round. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or whether we circle around the sun. Not many right. people do that. Not many people even question quantum physics, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we question other things like evolution or or, or COVID science or, or mm-hmm. climate science. We question that. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Dr. Janet Kellogg-Ray has a particular uh interesting take on that and she believes Mm. it goes all the way back to the scopes trial Mm. she believes that it's rooted more in evolution Mm. that drives the rest of this that was what made most of the fascinating. see this sounds like it's part of the other podcast you want to do which is how did did we get get here podcast we were just talking about this yesterday well i honestly i I have to talk about this because i think what you just said is actually pretty profound this um profound yeah 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 yeah. in the sense of distrusting science is pretty normal i was i mean family members i uh, you know even when my wife and i were going to have a child like looking at the healthcare system and how they do to you know we had to really ask ourselves some of these questions like okay what uh, which person is the expert you know these types of things um Mm -hmm. and like what is best for us so uh there's like a real sense of like okay we're, there's two different viewpoints we've seen things that have hurt us we've experienced things that have been helpful for us um but in a broad sense this uh well even like is it galileo was he uh, killed the heliocentric model mm-hmm. i believe he mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. killed or? no 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 he was he was just sent off into, yeah. sent off oh, he was yeah, banished yeah, yeah. yeah. But there, uh, in in America and Western evangelical, it does feel like evolution was the like the yes. impetus yes. for distrusting yes. the scientific world. Yes, yes. And that kind of let the roots uh, grow into other areas. Mm. To when something that's new that comes up, we're gonna jump on it and say no chance, you know, mm. <laughs> or uh, often. So, um, is that where you, is yes. her kind of yes. take? Is that's yes. where that, the, that's her take on it? And I thought it was interesting that um, she goes back to the the, the Scopes trial, uh, nineteen twenty five, um, and an interesting thing that I didn't know, and and she said. Um, in that trial, there was no science. Hmm. There was no scientist that, that testified. There was no science at all. Hmm. It was all about fear. Uh, mm-hmm. It was all about fear. It, and in the educating your children that we came from monkeys or, or whatever. Or, right. You know, I don't know exactly. but and, and it was fear. Hmm. 
that that started the whole thing. And um, fear of, and and you know now there's fear of authority. There's mm-hmm. fear of, you know, the government's telling us what to do and so forth. Mm. Sometimes maybe that's a good fear. Right. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, it, it is distinctly American and it is unique that we're sitting in this space at this time, part of a culture that was founded on we don't trust authority. Like, it, I mean, <laughs> oh, essentially, yeah. like yeah. stick it to authority. That's kind of, you know, we have our one of our most sacred holidays is Independence Day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence. It's a very individualistic society. Yes. Maybe the most individualistic mm-hmm. society of all time. <clears throat> and there are beautiful parts to living in that type of society but they also it also comes with a shadow side in which there can be an underlying distrust of anything that has um a sense of authority to it or um could be telling me anything that i should do with my life or anything i should believe there's an automatic i feel like the default is automatically distrust Mm. Mm. um do you think that's that plays into it as well? I, I, I'm kind well, of using a little conjecture well, here. But. I, I think maybe it does with regard to some of the newer yeah. distrusts, like, mm. like the COVID thing yeah. and, and climate science. Yeah. Um, and I think there's the the evolutionary debate, uh, so to speak, has, has now gone more into the education uh, uh uh, wing of it rather than uh in, you know in mm-hmm. other words you you yeah. you can't do this or you can't do that or mm-hmm. you have to do this you have to do that so um you know, yeah i don't know <laughs> if we want to get on that rabbit <laughs> hole or not but uh, yeah well, i i do i just want to bring it back to what we talked about about trust and authority <laughs> right mm-hmm. it's, it really mm-hmm. it really is is that and i i think for me if i'm <laughs> I want to encourage anyone. Um, it's just uh, what I've found in my life is trusting in the, uh, the, the, the one that's above it all. The one that kind of what you said is like, we can't, I can't give you the perfect argument to prove hundred percent shadow of a doubt. God is real. It's this guy, you know, <laughs> but when, but it does seem that there's enough there's enough experiences that I've experienced in my own life. There's enough things that others have experienced and found and discovered. And, and when I put it all together, to me, there's an arrow. There's something pointing towards, mm-hmm. uh, towards truth. And that's where I, I don't, I don't have faith in what I don't see just because I'm having blind faith. I have faith in what I don't see because of what I do see. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think mm-hmm. that is sometimes a piece that it, mm-hmm. we forget about, or, um, we expect others to, or people expect to be able to have without a shadow of a doubt, no, no questions asked or else I can't believe in anything. Um, but I think there's almost there's almost a beauty to what God, how God made us and how God made it all where he actually invites us to have our own thoughts <laughs> mm. and use our own minds and use our own, uh, use what we see in our relationships to have a, a say in what we believe rather than, you know, forcing us um, without a shadow of a doubt to, to believe uh, some of those things. I don't know. I think there's something actually beautiful about that. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I do too. And I, as I just reflect on this, I, I think it's important for, for all of us just to acknowledge, first of all, our own biases that we bring into this conversation, our own subjective sense of, you know, I may have been brought up this way. I may have been brought up this way and, and to, to realize, okay, um, you know, if I, I think as Christians, one of the things we need to realize is if we're really placing our faith in God and we really believe all of these things are true about God, then we don't need to be afraid. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about, just just the fact that, you know, fear can drive so much of this discussion, mm-hmm. and I don't think it needs to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can we can have these discussions in a way that's uh, fear doesn't have to control it. I think that's true. I used to I used to think uh, many years ago, <clears throat> um, uh, before really i think i'd read some of these books you know what what would happen if if um you know the, the scientists created a uh, some sort of living thing from non-living i mean mm. i don't know if that'll ever happen but mm-hmm. what would that do to my faith or what would it do if um we discovered that there were uh, beings on some other mm-hmm. planet uh, what would that do to my faith and you know I think no matter what we find out in science, it's not going to shake my faith mm. because, um, you know, science is God's gift to us. Mm. And uh, what we find in science um, is, uh, is going to be something that God God made. Mm. And, you know, it, it, things change in science. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you, you, you say, well, you know, our... This assumption was wrong, and and uh, so we have to do this and that. But it, I, I don't think I'll be afraid of anything mm. that um, that science, and that's that that's why that book, Coming to Peace with Science, was such a, a such a good book for me. Mm. You know, it just um, mm. gave me a lot of peace, and still does. Mm. That's amazing. Well, for those of us that are watching online, you've uh, or on YouTube. Online, I don't know, too, whatever, whatever you're watching. Whatever from. If you're watching this in a visual form, put it that way, you'll see that uh, Dr. Pelton has brought uh, several books in and they've been you've been looking at them probably the whole time. I, I figured why not give you a, a space to actually just reference them? Sure. Talk yeah. about them and, and, and share them with people who are curious, like what what might they um, they're they're looking to explore a little bit in this area. What are some of the resources that you would suggest? Well, I think for for people that really aren't, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, science people per se, and you want to find out about what science is but uh, is is like, this this little book um, has a very quirky title. It's called "The God of Monkey Science," and it's by Dr. Janet Kellogg Ray. It's a very good book to read. It's very readable, quick. You can read it and in a very short period of time. And it gives you a lot about what science is, some of the controversies, et, et cetera, et cetera. So I would, I would recommend that, mm. God of Monkey Science, if, if uh, you want to read a book with that title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the book that was very meaningful to me was Coming to Peace with Science by Dr. Uh, Daryl Falk. And um, uh, again, he, he goes into the... Uh, the um, uh, reasons for for evolution and why why it is true, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so that was meaningful. The Language of God, which is really a classic mm. by Dr. Francis Collins, mm. um, uh, goes into some of the genetic data as to why why this is true, why evolution uh, is has mm. been shown by genetic uh, data to be uh, to be true. Um, I have two books, although there are many more, by John Walton, um, the scholar from Wheaton College. Um, he's an Old Testament scolar. Uh, about uh, Genesis, mm-hmm. he's written one on the flood, but but these are two that he's written on Genesis one and two. The first is called uh, "The Lost World of Genesis One" by John Walton, and and then the other one is "The Lost Lost World of Adam and Eve," mm-hmm. which is uh, Genesis two, I believe. Uh, so those are very good uh, to to um, to read. And the last one I just finished. Um, this is a book by. Uh, um, uh, he's a physicist uh, at uh, Oxford, I think, Andrew Steen. It's called Faithful to Science. And that's th- this, um, he goes into a little bit more detail and it's a little bit more philosophical, so it's a little bit tougher read mm-hmm. than the others. But he has some really good points as to, um, you know, why science and faith are are so compatible mm. and why uh, why science is God's gift to us. Mm-hmm. And I would just hope that, People um, uh, don't judge others' Christianity by how you view origins in, in Genesis 1. I mean, we can get along. Mm. We can get along, even if even if some of you are wrong. <laughs> um, uh, but we can get along, and we can, we can be brothers and sisters in Christ. And mm. re- really, that's the key thing here. Mm. You know, I just don't think there should be these divisions mm. that we see. Wow. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, wonderful. Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Steve Pelton, for joining us on the Why God Why podcast. Uh, feel free to check out. There's going to be more episodes on our Credibility of Christianity series. Um, so look, be on the lookout for those, and we hope to... Uh, to catch your ear soon there you go all right have a good one